0: Welcome to the Pro Life Team podcast. I'm Jacob Barr. I'm here with Catherine Davis, and we are going to be talking about systemic racism in Planned Parenthood. And then we will touch on our pregnancy clinics ready for when Roe is overturned. Welcome, Catherine. I'm really glad that you're here. And um... I'd like for you to go ahead and introduce yourself as if you were talking to a group of executive directors of Pricey Clinics.
1: I am so delighted to be here. I am Catherine Davis. I am the president and founder of the Restoration Project, which is a pro-life, pro-family, pro-education organization that right now is focused on life because without life, there's no family that needs an education. I am also a founding member of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. And we do projects around the country. I specifically go after uh, Black women who are being targeted by the abortion industry to educate about abortion and its impact in the Black community. Um, So I pretty much go around the nation Um, educating. In addition, I do a luncheon here in Georgia to bring the pro-life community together uh, in a networking opportunity so we could stay abreast of what's happening with each other and support one another's projects. So I work a lot with pregnancy centers, sidewalk counselors, um, <clears throat> different pro-life organizations like a Georgia Right to Life or National Right to Life, Susan B. Anthony Group, etc.
0: Wow, I am so glad that you're here and I've got a lot of good questions for you because there's a lot of things that you know, that many, myself included, um, that I, you know, I don't know and people that are listening would enjoy hearing as well. Um would you start by maybe sharing your thoughts on the racism that's been weaved into Planned Parenthood and how maybe they're targeting the African-American uh, population or, or the woman that you're trying to then rescue, as you just mentioned?
1: Absolutely. Um, a, most people know that Margaret Sanger was a racist. Planned Parenthood spent the past hundred years trying to convince the culture that she was not. They would say things like her history was complicated. She was a product of her time. But even her autobiography talked about how she uh, met with the the women of the KKK to promote um, population control kinds of activities specifically directed towards the black community. Most people know that in 1939, she launched what she called uh, the Negro Project, which was designed specifically to get black ministers and others of influence to persuade black women to use birth control. And over the years, her organization grew their population control efforts and specifically, they began to target black women while at the same time trying to reassure the culture that they were simply um, giving black women and other women of color access to reproductive health care. Well, last year, while we were all sheltering in place and some businesses were deemed essential and others weren't, Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers were deemed essential. They came out in June of last year, many of their employees wrote an open letter to uh, the Planned Parenthood community. And in that letter, they, for the very first time, acknowledged that Margaret Sanger was a racist. They Um, specifically talked about the the work environment within Planned Parenthood was very much racially controlled and black women were not being afforded equal opportunities within the organization. A month later, the president of the board of the New York Planned Parenthood, which is the flagship acknowledged the racism and also acknowledged that uh, Planned Parenthood had caused reproductive harm to women of color. Most of of America never heard that, never saw it, didn't know anything about it, but they were coming out and acknowledging their historic racism. And then after July of 2020, Planned Parenthoods from around the country began to do their mea culpas and say, yes, we are built on a racist foundation. They said that uh, Margaret Sanger was a racist. They said their organization is systemically racist, that it's a white supremacist organization and they are committed not to stopping their racist practices, but as Alexis McGill, the president of Planned Parenthood said, that they are now gonna focus their energies on transgender reproductive rights. That's their answer to their systemic racism. So I, as I mentioned, go around the country and pull together black women of influence to say, regardless of your position on abortion, no abortion provider should be able to target black women the way Planned Parenthood has done and is doing. And it is time for the black community to stand up
0: against that. Wow. That's just that uh, a lot it's a lot there and it it takes a time it takes time to sort of as someone who doesn't experience racism on a, on a uh, growing up I I honestly am I'm learning a lot recently about what what uh, what has happened and what people have gone through and it's it, and it feels very um, heavy to take it in um, and, and the one thing that really sh- struck me, well, the one thing that I recently was spending some time researching and trying to understand based on a previous podcast was that Planned Parenthood hired religious ministers to, yeah. to manipulate an audience or to, to keep yeah. them, um, you know, in line in case they were to go out of, if they, in case they were to realize, I think in the letter Margaret Singer wrote, you said, in case they realized they were being exterminated, like it was like, that exactly. kind of language. Exactly. And yeah. it just seems like that was that's a tactic that I didn't realize was was in the scope of what someone would do within a war. Like it feels like using religious um, you know, connections and and that part of someone's life to persuade them for evil or use you know to use it against them is just simply, you know, uh, the darkest of dark darknesses. Yeah. Like it feels like it's a very it's a new level of darkness. Um yeah. And, and it just simply is very sad and-, and um...
1: But that's what Margaret Sanger's motivation was. She was a eugenicist. Yes. She believed certain people should be allowed to reproduce and others should not. And so, and she knew that the minister was uh, one of the primary influencers in the black community, which is why she specifically targeted ministers. They are still, excuse me, doing that today. Raphael Warnock is uh, the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he ran on the campaign for the U.S. Senate saying he's a pro-choice pastor. Well, that's oxymoronic. What do you mean you're pro-choice? You're specifically going against God's directive that says be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. But that was his claim to fame. And there are many more like him that they have persuaded to persuade black women. Now, what most people don't know is that Planned Parenthood's agenda is a population control agenda. In their 2008 tax filing, they basically said that they wanted to achieve a population of an optimum size, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. So they told us, yeah, we're about population control. Um, And they have, have taken steps to specifically direct their services towards black women. For example, they have constructed uh, 79% of their surgical facilities within a two mile walking radius of a black or Latino neighborhood. 80% um, of their mega centers, meaning 10,000 square feet or larger are in black neighborhoods alone. They, they have, um, uh, as I said, recruited ministers to teach and preach their message, but they've also recruited legislators. There's a legislator here in Georgia who when Georgia offered the um, heartbeat bill, this legislator decided she was going to offer a testicular bill of rights to tell men that, that they had to get permission to use a condom, permission to take Viagra and that kind of stuff. And and they propped this black legislator up to, to lead that charge. In Ohio, when Ohio offered their heartbeat bill, they got a black legislator to offer an amendment to the bill to specifically exempt black women because, you know, we were in slavery. I mean, it is crazy what they've done, but they, they've made it appear like they are helping black women to have access to healthcare. And it's not healthcare
0: at all. Hmm. What, what would you like um, church ministers, pastors, priests, people that are in leadership roles at a church to know, about this, and what 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 might you suggest they they do or they pray? Um, but maybe what would you like them to know about this as part of, you know, part of how how Margaret Singer used the the ministers to to do that? I guess in 1939. Um, how what would you encourage ministers and pastors today? to consider as this being a topic that sometime is, sometimes is left out of the church scene um, because it's div- divisive and things along those lines? What, what, what might you encourage that well, minister to say or do?
1: Yeah, the minister is still very influential in the black community. You know, you know black, white, pink, green ministers, sure. they're people of influence. I don't think most people realize that abortion is being used to target one group of people. So let's say that you are a pro-choice pastor. Are you okay with the abortion industry using abortion which is going to result in the death of another human being 100% of the time that the abortion is successful, are you okay with them using it to target one group of people based on the color of their skin? And if you are not, you need to talk about it. You need to create a safe place for the women in your congregation who chose abortion to get healed of their abortion decision, because honestly, Many women are sitting in the church pews right now today, cringing on the inside because they made the abortion decision and they don't feel like they can be forgiven. And they don't know that abortion is not the unpardonable sin and they can be forgiven. So pastors need to talk about that. They need to create a safe space for their parishioners to be able to get healed of their abortion decision, but they also need to show leadership in terms of stopping the abortion industry from targeting. Okay, if even if you accept that abortion is a woman's right, should an abortion provider be able to target one group of people based on the color of their skin? And if your answer is no, then as a leader, you need to stand up and say that. And you need to talk to your members and talk about it in your community to make people aware of what's happening.
0: Yeah, because abortion is obviously wrong, but to use it to target based on someone's skin or or their gender, it, it, it seems to be even, you know, doubly dark because it's going after it based off of a uh, 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 based on a judgment based on one of those you know based on the pigment or based on their sex or based on something like that um
1: exactly
0: exactly like, and yeah
1: they are using that targeting to sell the body parts of the babies they were boarding there was a story that came out just about a month or two ago about the University of Pittsburgh, who was purchasing the body parts of aborted children based on their skin color. Hmm. And so they were ordering, I want 50 black babies. I want 50 Latino babies. They were literally ordering the body parts based on the the skin color of the parent. And Planned Parenthood was freely and easily selling them those body parts. And in many of the instances, the body parts that were being ordered, the child had to be alive in order for them to harvest that part. Mm. And most people don't know that that's what they're doing. So Planned Parenthood tells women, you know, it's your body, it's your choice, and you, you get to make this decision and they call the child in the womb uh, a a blob of tissue or a product of conception, they objectify it, but they know that that child is a human being, is a person because they then turn around and sell that child's body parts, their livers, their gonads, their heart. Uh, Mm. uh, They basically sell them to, universities and others who experiment on them. And so, you know, people need to be aware of that, that even in the targeting that they are specifically fulfilling the requests of these people for specific body parts of black and brown children. And that just should not be um, Mm. in this nation.
0: That should not be. Yeah. That's, it's so barbaric and evil and just, I, it's, I'm at a lack lack of words to go further than that. It, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's. Um, it's it's dark. Dark. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's very dark. What,
0: what would you, what would you like to say to pregnancy clinic leadership um, who has people coming in or when it comes to their 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 way to reach out to their community when it comes to Princeton clinic leadership reaching out to churches reaching out to people maybe on the college campuses what might you suggest they say or include in their messaging to try and um, shed light on these evil dark tactics or to dismantle some of these evil dark tactics what what might they consider or try and um, what, should they, what should they be praying for in this space?
1: I think it's time that we begin to really talk about the targeting. Very few people talk about it. Everybody whispers, you know, behind the hand, you know, they target the Black community. But no one um, is really taking the leadership to stand up and say, this is wrong. If all of us start saying this is wrong, I think we can impact this this area, um, this issue in a way that would begin to save lives. So one, the pregnancy centered uh, leadership and pastors and other men and women of influence need to educate themselves. If you go to my website, um, the restorationproject.life, I have a copy of a complaint that the National Black Pro-Life Coalition filed against Planned Parenthood with the Department of Health and Human Services. I would encourage um, everyone to go read that, that complaint because it's very well documented. It gives you all the references to show how Planned Parenthood has been targeting Black women and their children. And I think they can begin to talk about it, but they could also write a letter of support of that complaint to HHS. Um, Also on my website is a video. In 2018, Alabama passed a constitutional amendment that defines the child in utero as a person. So a lawsuit has been filed that says "If to Alabama, to the governor of Alabama, please enforce the laws of what the people of Alabama have voted. They have said, yes, the child in utero is a person. So if that child is a person, is that child entitled to equal protection and due process under the law? We say yes, enforce the law. So on my website as well is a video that explains the baby Q case. And again, it's a case that people can talk about. They can write uh, to Alabama's governor and maybe even sponsor similar legislation in their own state to say, these children in the womb are people. And so as such, The 14th amendment guarantees them uh, equal protection and due process and mom's rights don't trump that child's right. And I think we need to start talking about that as well. So those are two resources that people can take a look at um, and, and get educated because we don't really know how dark, this issue is because it hasn't been framed for us before. Yeah. But now we're framing it. And the more of us that begin to talk about it, I think the more success we're gonna have in ending, ending this great crime against humanity.
0: So, so when it comes to talking about Planned Parenthood's targeting, um, so there, they're, so Um, I want to talk about which aspects they are targeting. In your opinion, are they targeting Black and Brown? Are they targeting poor, uh, poverty-stricken areas? How would you define the different areas that they are targeting based on what you understand? In a
1: 2014, 15, somewhere around there, Uh, Planned Parenthood opened another facility here in Georgia and a local newspaper here, Creative Loafing, interviewed them and asked them, how did you decide on this particular area to put put your new Mm -hmm. center? And they basically told you, we went to the Rollins School of Public Health And we got them to help us to identify um, the best area to put our clinic. So they didn't tell us what criteria they gave to the Rollins School of Public Health. But when you see where they placed the facility, it had to be that they wanted a black, dense area of Mm -hmm. the state. So the facility is on Moreland Avenue. I don't know if you know anything about Atlanta. No. But where they place that facility is in the heart of the Black community. It is um, right off of Highway 20, so easy access. And it is Black Atlanta is where they put it. So what criteria did they give them? in order to determine that that was the best place. They did the same thing in Charlotte. And and the thing that they have taken to doing is not allowing you to know that they've chosen that neighborhood until the sign goes up on the building. So they they, um, pull the permits, the building permits Mm. under the name of an LLC that nobody's thinking this is Planned Parenthood. And uh. then once they have constructed the building, Planned Parenthood's name goes up on the side and you're like, what, wait a minute, how did that happen? The Cherry neighborhood in Charlotte, North Carolina is the oldest black neighborhood in the, in the city, mm. in the state. That's where they opened their newest facility and it's a mega center, 10,000 plus square feet. Um, So they are being very deliberate. They use things like the black infant mortality rate and the black maternal mortality rate to justify the construction of these major facilities. So like in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, when they wanted to add a third surgical room to a facility that they had just constructed and they wanted that third uh, surgical room to do about 1800 procedures, mm-hmm. they talked about how high the black infant mortality rate is and how high the black maternal mortality rate is, but you're gonna go and kill babies. Yeah. Um, so they are, very specific, now they are increasingly beginning to move into Latino neighborhoods. Um, But the, the, the most of their surgical facilities are in black neighborhoods alone. And they specifically chose the location because they knew they were gonna reach more black women.
0: And it feels like their marketing and their messaging beyond the location, it feels like that is also, well, I I mean, back up a step when it comes to the number of African-American babies being aborted compared to the population in the U S it's, it's, it's completely lopsided when it comes to the number of African-Americans who are being aborted, um, just based on percentages. Can you speak a little bit about, you probably know those percentages, I would, uh, I would hope. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes, if you could speak absolutely. to that, that'd be really good.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I have conversations with God. And he talks to me, and <laughs> I talk back to him. <laughs> and I was sitting here one day, and the Lord said, what was the Black population in 1960 America? Hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay, look it up. So I look up the black population in 1960 America and it was 18,871,000 and some change. Okay. And so he said, now how many black babies have been aborted? We have aborted more than the entire black population in 1960 America, more than 22 million black babies. And that I believe is a low estimate because you have major cities like Chicago, states like California and Florida that don't report their numbers based on skin color. Mm. Um, So we don't actually have an accurate number, but we know that it's at least uh, 22 million Blacks that have died in these abortion centers around the country. Um, In every community where they do report by skin color, you will see that the Black community is accounting for uh, 40, 50, 60 percent or more of the abortions. For example, here in Georgia, 66 percent of the abortions in our state are on Black women. Um, In Mississippi, it's like 78% of the abortions are on black women. In Alabama, it's like 63% of the abortions on black women. And you can just go state by state. Um, I was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. It was um, 43%. And I may have, yeah, I think it was like 43% of the abortions. So proportionally, in relation to the population, it is way off the charts. It is way crazy. And, And Black women are leading in the numbers, so much so that like in New York City, more Black babies are aborted than are born alive. Yeah so in, we are in depopulation of the black community
0: today. In Arizona, um it's we have a African American population of four and a half percent. So gotcha. if it's 45, 40 something percent um of the abortions are African American, that that's I don't even know how to so calculate right. it, that's a genocide, or I'm not even sure how it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's um it's devast- It's it's completely out. It's not balanced. It's not it's not like right. Planned Parenthood is targeting general population. They're targeting right. that that's a target
1: specifically black the black population and and they are <clears throat> I'm not covering it up. I mean they'll tell you, you know, black women lack lack access to reproductive health care. Really, we do. What are you basing that on? But that's what they say. And they will get four or five Black women to stand in the eye of the camera while they are making these outrageous claims to make it appear that Black women are voluntarily choosing. Mm. But they're not. It's a, it's a matter of targeting. And when you look at the percentage of abortions that are done through coercion, the woman didn't choose it, her parent, her pastor, her partner, her husband, whoever forced her to get the abortion, then we're talking about a completely different story. And I can tell you many, many firsthand accounts of women that I have encountered across the country who are telling me that they were forced to get that abortion. They didn't choose it. Yeah. Somebody made them.
0: And and coercion's illegal. We had a podcast with a, a legal group and they were talking about, you know, if if a parent says, you know, you can't live here unless you get an abortion, or the boyfriend says, if you don't get that abortion, I'm going to beat you up. Those are forms of coercion or forcing someone into an elective decision that's currently legal. And, and, that's, and it's, it's, not le- it's, it's illegal to coerce or force someone into exactly. a decision that they don't want or decide to do on their own.
1: And Planned Parenthood is guilty of aiding and abetting the coercion. I'm, one quick example is a woman that I met in North Carolina and she, her husband was forcing her to abort their baby. And so when he took her to the Planned Parenthood, she told them, I don't want to kill my baby. I want to keep my baby because she thought they would help her get away from him. Instead, the counselor called her husband in and said, y'all might need to go get a cup of coffee because she doesn't want the abortion. And so y'all need to go talk about it. He took her out he pulled up, she said, to a car wash and be, he began to clean up the car. And he very quietly looked at her and said, you know, I'm going to kill you when we get back to the hotel. Hmm. And so she said, just take me back. And he took her back and they aborted her baby. Um, there are stories like that from all across the country. Another one Uh, a young lady told me her mother was a nurse and her mother assisted the abortion doctor Mm -hmm. in aborting her grandchild. Um, And it wasn't that she wanted an abortion. Her mother was like, no, you're gonna get this abortion. Mm -hmm. So, So it's, it is not women freely choosing to to get an abortion. It is coercion and then it is targeting. Targeting through the media, targeting through the locations of where these clinics are. I mean, just look at what happened in Ohio. Uh, The preterm abortion clinic put up billboards in the heart of the black community where they are located. Abortion is a blessing. Abortion is sacred. Mm. And when the pro life community wanted to put up billboards, Ryan Baumberger, who is a creative genius yeah. with billboards and stuff, he developed a whole campaign. And the billboard company would not allow him to put up his billboards. They wanted to change his messaging, mm. but they let the abortion industry put up whatever they wanted to say So Planned Parenthood and others have succeeded in almost silencing black voices because they collude with the media and the media will do whatever Planned Parenthood tells them to do. So I've done events around the country um, over, over the last several years, back in 2010, Ryan and I partnered on a billboard campaign called Black Children are an Endangered Species. And it was a cute, beautiful little black boy, and oh, it was just beautiful. Since then, Planned Parenthood paid a firm, Belden Russinello, to come up with talking points on how to refute the billboard campaign. And then they went and got the billboard companies to come alongside them rather than us. So it's very hard for us to put up messaging about the genocide. They will not do it. They won't even come to the events. We did a national day of mourning. We did a processional from Richmond, Virginia, where Planned Parenthood was building a new facility. Um, They stopped in Charlotte, North Carolina. They came to Atlanta. And then we went to um, Alabama, to Birmingham, Alabama. And the media came out. They were in Richmond, they were here in Atlanta, they were in Birmingham, but not one of them covered that story. The only way that people even knew that we had had that National Day of Mourning was Bill McGurn uh, did an opinion piece in um, the Washington Times. And that was the only way that the message got out that we'd even had literally like a funeral procession from Richmond, Virginia to Birmingham, Alabama. They would not cover it.
0: So, so the marketing, the, the media companies and the, the reporting, the groups doing the reporting are essentially supporting the Planned Parenthood position Planned Parenthood. Based, on right. that, based on what you're saying with those stories. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And it's clearly documented. I mean, it's not something that you can't you know, look to see for yourself. They very rarely cover any of the stories that are done by the Black pro-life community. Um, And increasingly, they're covering less and less the stories that come out of the majority um, pro-life community. But definitely, they're not going to cover the Black pro-life community.
0: Hmm. It feels a lot like a David and Goliath when it comes to small groups or pregnancy clinics and these larger companies that have, you know, that own the billboards or that are, you know, that have the, the reporting, you know, the news stations and exactly and how they are using their bias to to fall in line with exactly. Planned Parenthood's agenda or posture that they want people to have or these groups to right. have. Yeah.
1: That's exactly true. And Planned Parenthood has been quite successful, as I said and persuading the mainstream media that their services are um, acceptable and that they are um, pro-women. They are not pro-women.
0: Yeah. I feel like sometimes when they say things like that, it's like a bold-faced lie where they say the very opposite of what they're doing.
1: Exactly. And one of the things that most people don't know Every time there's a pro-life bill, the pro-abortion people will come out and say, um, we're not going back. And they hold up the wire coat hanger. We're not going back, but they're not telling you the, the numbers of women who are being injured in these abortion centers and who are dying. Women are still dying from abortions. Planned Parenthood, is increasingly botching more and more and more abortions and and, um, women are being permanently injured in the sense that they will never be able to have children because their bowels were pulled out or their uteruses were perforated or whatever. Um, But there's also women who, because of the botched abortion, And because they are not healthcare, they are dying as a result of the botched abortion. For example, there was a young lady named Tia Parks that preterm facility in Ohio. Tia was heavy. She was obese and she was pregnant with twins. One of the children were in her fallopian tube and one was in her uterus because Planned Parenthood does not do healthcare, I mean, preterm, the abortion providers, they don't do healthcare. They didn't examine her to see what was going on and what they needed to do. So they successfully aborted the child that was in her uterus, but they didn't even know she still had a child in her tube. So Tia goes home and she is in pain and she's in distress. And so finally her friends take her to the emergency room um, where they discover the ectopic pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but it was too little, too late. Her tube ruptured, she died. Mm -hmm. But they tell you they're giving these women healthcare. Well, if they had simply done a real examination of her, before the abortion procedure, they would have discovered the ectopic pregnancy, but they yeah. don't do that. They kill babies. That's their business. And, you know, to heck with you.
0: Yeah. And if, and if someone gets injured, it, it, it almost feels like it lines up with Margaret Stinger's vision and her, her hatred toward certain groups.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and they, are, they just continue and they will move these abortionists around from facility to facility and they just don't care. They don't care about women. They don't care about anything other than meeting their population control agenda. And that's what motivates them and keeps them going.
0: So earlier you mentioned how Alabama mm-hmm. had passed a bill that was defining the unborn baby as being a person. Mm-hmm. What, is, what was the result of that? Was that a, a, a like, wh- wh- how would you describe the benefits and result of that bill being passed?
1: Well, Alabama has said they don't want abortion in their state and they did it by a constitutional amendment. So it wasn't just a bill that they said the baby is a person. They literally amended their constitution to say the baby is a person. But the governor is not enforcing oh. their own state laws. She's ignoring it right now. So that's why the lawsuit was filed to say, do your job, Miss Governor. The people of Alabama have spoken. We don't want abortion in our state. Enforce the constitutional amendment and provide those children equal protection.
0: And is that the bill that's currently being seen by the Supreme Court? Or no,
1: no, no, no. The no. case that's before the Supreme Court now is the Dobbs case. That's out of Mississippi. Oh, yeah. that case is specifically uh, looking at abortions beyond um, fifteen weeks. Um. So I don't know that it's going to end abortion the way many people think that it's going to do, but at least the justices are signaling that they are willing to look at whether or not Roe is good law. So they may overturn Roe. It won't end abortion because it would then go back to the states, but places like Alabama where they have ruled that the baby in utero is a person, then that would end abortion because you couldn't take the life of the child without equal protection and due process.
0: Okay. Wow, there's so much going on. It's I'm, I really appreciate your expertise and your knowledge and you sharing these things. Um, so how would you ask people who are listening to pray like what might you consider would be what what voice do we need to be resonating when we're reaching out and crying out to god on this issue how might we best you know ask for god to intervene and to how, how would you you know what what might be good for our country to cry out in response to this that yeah devastating i think thing?
1: I think we are at the end of abortion on demand. I honestly believe that people here in Georgia look at me like I have antenna growing out of my head. Like, what are you talking about woman? But I really believe that we have had enough of the wholesale death of children. And we are seeing the effect of treating children in the womb as if they are not people Uh, spill over into every area of life. We have people who will just shoot you today. Um, You know, they don't value your life. They don't think you deserve to live. And and it's spilled over to everything in our culture. And I think we're kind of tired of it. Um, So I do think Roe is going to be overturned. I do think abortion is gonna end. I believe that God is saying enough. And so he's joined the fight in new ways and people are waking up to the fact that we've had enough of the wholesale slaughter of of the innocent. Um, So the prayer is exactly that. Lord, tell us what to do to end this. You know, let us join together to end this. This needs to end. Um, I think the the hanging fruit here is to end the targeting of the black community. If we end the targeting of the black community by the racists then abortion will end because it will no longer be achieving their purposes. Um, So I think that's how we pray. And I also think we need to begin to pray for what to do when abortion ends, because I think many of us in the pro-life community are not ready for abortion to end. We are still talking 1973 lingo about crisis pregnancies when the young women today are using it not as a crisis but as their birth control method of choice. But I do believe it's gonna end. And so the prayer is, Lord, how do we prepare for that? How does the pro-life community get ready to assist women when they can no longer very easily walk down the street and take the life of their child? Are we ready for that? Do we have resources available? And then how do we reshape the pregnancy center movement because we're no longer going to have to reach out to that abortion determined woman um, because abortion won't be legal, but she's still gonna need help. How do we help her? Are we prepared? Can we redo our mobile uh, ultrasound units and turn them into mobile um, pregnancy, prenatal, postnatal care, yeah, you know, uh, trucks or whatever, you know, what, what do we need to be doing to help women um, now that they can't just willy nilly decide, I'm going to take the life of my child. Um, we have to reinvent ourselves. And now is the time to start thinking about that and praying about that and seeking God's wisdom in face.
0: That's good. Yeah. Cause unplanned pregnancy is, is not necessarily silly, like a, a problem that doesn't exist in the future. It's gonna be here for the long term and providing care and being the hands and feet of Jesus is gonna be a long, a posture that we can always have to help people in difficult situations. And um, and so a lot of the, the, essentially the amount of women that we are gonna be helping will be going up as more women are choosing life. And are, you know, essentially and providing and we essentially will get to pour, pour out care to a large, larger number. And so the, the amount of traffic that we're of women who are trying to help or you know, that are going to pregnancy clinic or prenatal clinics to get care is going to be rising as abortion becomes less chosen or less available. Right.
1: And 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 do some of our centers need to become uh, pregnancy homes because parents are still gonna yell at their kids and say, you can't bring that child here. Mm-hmm. Are we prepared to help them find a place to stay, a job, etc.? So we really need to begin to look at that um, right now um, because the signs are there that it's going to end and it's going to end sooner than later. I think Clarence Thomas has signaled that he's looking for the case, so that he can deal with the eugenics question. Yeah. Um, I think the court itself, the fact that they allowed the Texas um, heartbeat uh, law to go into effect, they didn't block it. I think that's a sign that, yeah, we're coming to the end. So we, we need to get prepared for that and and to be able to help the women navigate the new waters
0: yeah and and part of those new new waters is going to include helping women understand the risks and the harm that can come from a do-it-yourself at-home abortion using exactly the abortion pills that may have been ordered off the internet from a different country and, and there's going to be a lot of um, it's, it's a very dangerous situation based on the yes. fact there wasn't an ultrasound. The dates are not determined based on measuring. They're based on what someone types in. And that's obviously there's a lot of concerns there over who's taking them and when they're taking them. And, and, and the all
1: psychological this- damage, the physical damage. I mean, yeah. we must have answers and we must begin to, to look at these, like you said, because we have a generation of young women uh, who were able to get abortion on demand and suddenly they're not going to be able to and they are gonna take matters into their own hand and maybe order those pills. And how many more lives are we gonna lose of women? Because then they're gonna be afraid to go get medical help Um, because they purchased the pills illegally or whatever. I mean, there's so many questions that we need to begin to look at and and think about and prepare for.
0: So so to wrap up, would you mind offering a prayer um, for what we've talked about, the, the racism that needs to be addressed and brought into the light and the targeting that needs to stop Would you offer a prayer as we wrap up this podcast?
1: Absolutely. Father, I just thank you for this time that we've had to talk about this vital issue, Lord, uh, that is plaguing our nation and that is destroying the lives of babies and even the mothers, Lord. Father, we we need your wisdom on what to do and how to do it. We need your words to, to be able to persuade men and women, Uh, that abortion and the targeting that they're doing should not be able to happen in this great nation that you have ordained, that this is the land of we the people. And we the people need to be free not to look at our children as burdens, but to look at them as the blessings that you've said they are. So we ask for wisdom We ask for insight. We ask that uh, the listeners who will hear this will begin to look for answers that that are going to be needed for these women as they are navigating the new waters of not being able to take the life of their child. And above all else, Lord, we pray that they will come to know you. We ask that you would pour out your spirit on the men, on the women, on the moms, on the dads, on the pastors and the leaders, all of those in influence who would persuade them to seek abortion in the first place. Pour out your spirit that they will come to know you and that we would become a unified community standing against the evil that abortion is. Father, we thank you for it and we bless you for it in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you, Catherine. This is a beautiful time and I'm excited to share this with executive directors and pro-life leaders is something that all of us will enjoy hearing hopefully a couple of times because there's so much here and it's really good. Thank
1: you and thank you for having me.